Good morning, everybody, and welcome to our webinar, Hybrid Work and Top 5 Tips for Creating Hybrid Culture. My name's Natasha Bradley, and I'm the Commercial Manager here at Inform, and I'm very excited to be um, joined by Ginny Holden, our um, Behavioural, Social and Evolution uh, Consultant. Before I sort of hand over to Ginny, uh, if you do have any questions, please feel free to put them in the chat, or we can unmute you at the end. Um, so Ginny, um, hand over to you. No problem. So, first of all, we'd like to introduce ourselves. Except this is not. OK, um, I'm sorry about that. That slide didn't seem to want to build, but uh, Natasha did give a brief overview. So I'm Ginny Holden. My background's in evolution and change, and also I'm a behavioural psychologist. And the reason in fact, you're, you guys are the reason we're, we're doing this webinar, because these are some of the questions we, and I specifically get asked most often, um, which is about hybrid working environments. And even pre-COVID, we were starting to work in such a way, but as we've been through the, the COVID process, as it were, and we've been going backwards and forwards in offices, out offices, and it looks like perhaps we might be uh, going back to working from home. Hybrid environments are a challenge and there are specific challenges to human beings because of our evolutionary history. OK, so at no other time in human history have we ever not been able to see someone we are working with. So you can imagine me now. I'm, I'm here on this webinar. I can't actually see your faces. I don't know how you're reacting to what I'm saying and what I'm doing. And as a human being, this is really uncomfortable. So the continual shift from face to face to video meetings confuses the brain permanently because it's expecting one set of data and information when you're face to face. And then you get another set, a different set of data and information when we're actually on video calls. And as I said, one of the biggest challenges your brain has is literally switching from now I need to look at this, now I need to look at that. There's fundamentally a huge difference in the amount of work the brain does. And this specifically happens when we're in a video based environment, your brain sitting there going, well, I can't see someone. I don't know how they're reacting. And even if I can see them, I can only sort of see them from uh, the, the neck upwards. And we all know and our brains know people have legs and the rest of their bodies. And we also aren't exchanging 90% um, of the data and information that our brains expect because we can't physically see people from body language to how they shape a tone and a word to how they look at someone else to physically how they look at you. So your brain is sitting here working far harder all the time, trying to get that information and failing because it's not there. So it gives makes human beings feel very stressed. It also makes human beings feel very uncomfortable. The other impact it then has is it has a huge impact on the way teams form, on how they share data information knowledge, how they're collaborative and how they work fundamentally together. And this is founded again in the fact that we're usually face to face. So we have to now start to be far more proactive about the things we would just naturally do if we're face to face. And what I'm going to cover in the top five tips are those things. 
and said if you have any questions do call them out do put them in the chat box and Natasha will um, bring them up so five tips that can make a difference and these are ones that we have found work most for organizations so first of all one one of the things which happens beautifully for hum, human beings is when we get something wrong our body language shows it right we go oh dear or oops or we physically share the fact that we've not got something right now when you're working in a network or you're working collaboratively or you're working on teams in the collaborative way mistakes that you make it's not obvious how they are or how you feel about them so if you've made a mistake or it's not gone the way it should have gone share actively and share positively about that because one of the things you need to be able to do is share that it was a mistake but also share it with the network because this is how trust is created the more actually believe it or not you share that you get wrong the more people trust with you and engage with you so within the teams you have whether it's on a video call or whether it's using uh, teams functionality to be able to share and work on things if you get something wrong or it's not brilliant share it secondly one of the things we have to build really strongly now is your own team's value what do i mean by that so what is it you and your team create that the organization sees value in it's quite a difficult concept so i'll just like you to think for a moment think about i know think about shampoo something we all use every single day now the value of shampoo is clean hair it's not shampoo it's not what it does it's not that i washed my hair or i did anything because when people talk about value a lot they tell you what they did they don't tell you why that was useful so shampoo is clean hair and we work a lot with organizations trying to allow them to truly understand what it is that their value their value is to the organization and once you put it as a team you need to be able to break that down into each individual member of that team how do they if it was shampoo contribute to clean hair how do they what specifically about that role do they deliver that actually makes us to be able to deliver that entire value and it's not as easy as it sounds and you'll have to work quite hard to actually get at that what is it why does it matter and the thing is these things fundamentally matter for human beings everyone needs to be able to actively know what value they bring it's an evolutionary issue about how we came together as groups and how we looked after each other but if there's one thing out of all of these tips i would do is concentrate on value your team's values to the organization and each individual how they build up like lego blocks to that overall value so the second thing about value and how you can then embed it over time is to create an active onboarding and offboarding process for that value but for your team as well because if you're not meeting people all the time you're not creating those team cohesion things we just do naturally so what i'd ask you to do is when you onboard someone new into your team don't just concentrate on what they do or why they do it or how they do it but what is that value they've brought to in your team? Why have you chosen their skills, tools, capabilities and knowledge? What does it deliver? 
celebrate that as a team. Then if someone actively leaves your team, what's going on? Also, exactly the same process. What is it that that person brought that created value within your team? One of those Lego blocks we talked about. And again, celebrate it. Skills, tools, capabilities and knowledge. And what's fascinating about this work is that person can have left the team, but you still need to celebrate that because what you're doing is driving team cohesion. What you're actually saying is these things matter to us as a team. The next one, and this is function of us being distributed. It's also a function of the fact that we need to be more collaborative as we work in um, teams which are hybrid. And you need to be able to foster and support that no one person has a monopoly on the right answer. What do I mean by that? Unless you're actually talking perhaps about a black and white answer, it could be a piece of code, let's say, Unless there is a black and white one, everyone should be able to contribute to that. No one person should be able to go, this is what it is, and we're going in this direction because I say so. We need to understand as a team why we're going there. And I'd be very clear on that. Just because people have actually said, yes, I agree, perhaps doesn't actually always mean they know why we are going over there. And what you need to be able to do is make sure that everyone has inputted to the direction you're going is and you are actively seen as a team leader to not just listen, but build from what people say. Hybrid is very important to do this because, again, what people will be missing is the cues they usually get from you on a visual basis and their body language and how they're actually working with each other because they can see what goes on. We can't do that across a video call. I've said this once about people leaving and offboarding and onboarding, but it's also really important. And to start with, if you're building a new team, you need to almost do this weekly, is celebrate little success tell everyone what they did and why it mattered. So it's a what they did and why it mattered to your group value and to the success of your team. And it has to be a what, you can't just say thank you. You need to be able to go, Natasha um, and Debs actually, who helped me put together this webinar. Thank you so much for the time, energy and effort you put in. Natasha, for being able to go out and send the emails out to get people to come to this presentation and Debs for taking my long words sometimes and creating something most people can understand, if not everyone can understand. So that's specifically about what they did and we've celebrated it because I couldn't be here today, and I'm very honest about this actually, without the time, energy and effort of both Debs and Natasha. That's how you celebrate group success. So, We've covered a number of things here and we've covered them quite succinctly and sort of to the point because we then wanted to open this up to questions because my whole reason to be is the fact that being actually a human being, having our huge genetic history past and our huge cultural past changes who we are today and how we work together as people. 
and fundamentally it impacts us every single day when we are working in remote ways, when we can't see how people behave, when we can't share nuance, when we can't feel actually how a meeting is going or how other people are reacting. So come back to this point, is being human matters, putting that at the centre of any hybrid working strategy will allow you not only to build high performing teams, but it will allow you to work far more agilely and be able to bring the results that you and your team or even your business needs. Now we've come up to quarter to the hour. Um, what I'd like to do now is open this up to questions because I've talked a lot. I can't actually see how you've reacted. You might all be there doing things or you might be bored or you might have gone off to do something else. But I wouldn't we wouldn't be practicing what we preached if we now didn't understand you guys and how you are seeing these and the challenges you're facing today. So I'd like to open it to the floor and I'm looking for one of those brave people who'll first put their hands up and go, I've got a question. Thank you, Dina. Everyone's, um, everyone's got access to their mic now, so if you want to speak, just unmute yourself. Ah, Jeff had a question there, just a second. So Jeff's question was, do you have any specific tips and advice on how you would effectively onboard new joiners remotely? Jeff, may I ask a little bit further, and I think Natasha's allowed you to come off mute. Um, are those new joiners part of your organisation and new to your team, or are they new to the organisation? They would be new to the organisation. Right, and a third question then on that one, are they new to your industry, or would they usually be known the industry you're working in? Uh, that's a really good question, and it's probably a mixture uh, in, in all honesty. So some may know it, some may not. OK, so one of the, I'll keep coming back to it, but the way your brain takes on data information and knowledge is a, a function of how it's grown up within an environment. So the, the reason I asked those three questions were very specific is because if someone has, let's take the worst scenario, someone has no knowledge of your industry, no knowledge of your company and no knowledge of your team. And think of it like that, that they know nothing at all. So what you need to be, you need to be able to do is in their heads, build a picture of all of those things. So what's our industry like? How does it work? What do we do? Even what's the core competence our industry is here to create? The second thing would be, imagine their first day at work normally. When you arrive, you go into reception, you've got your building, you know, even the journey to there. And if you can walk through in your head all of those things that you see that then have an impact on how you actually think. So, for example, I'll give you two fundamentally different. There's a reception I once went into, which literally um, it was all huge glass, about four stories high. And I opened you opened the door. You went in. There was marble. Then there was steps. Then there was another marble section. And then there was a bank of desks with commissioners. So these are gentlemen in uniform. Now, that says a huge amount to me about how that organisation works. It's very authoritarian. It's very structured. It's very about power. 
I completely go to another scenario. Um, it was a fashion house. You seemed to go up in a service lift. You walked into their little reception and literally there was a girl behind the desk and she was almost perched on the desk and she was doing her nails, painting them a really lovely colour at the time. And then there was the seat next to where I was sat and waited, looked like someone's sitting room. Just those two different cues tell you so much as a person about how you're expected to behave in that environment. So first of all, industry, then think about and, and work out a way of presenting, perhaps on about how you structure presentations or how you are who you are as an organisation. Think about how to present that to that person. It might be a walkthrough. It might be a this is how we actually work. This is who we are. They're fundamentally important. Then the final thing would be the welcome into your team. And in that respect, I'd ask you, Jeff, to think again, if we were in the office, what would someone see that represents who we are and how we work? And then be really active about how you give those messages across. So, you know, and, and even one way of doing it is you can talk about, right, well, we're in the office, we all work together. We'll sit next to it near each other. You know, I've got these things on my desk. You're allowed to put things on your desk. Do you see what I mean? Does that help? It's almost as though if you strip everything back and walk through that process um, that you've arrived in the office and then into the, your team environment and you have to make that live for someone. I've seen pe we've recommended people do videos. We've recommended people talk in a specific way. So, in, you know, if you are very social um let's say like the fashion house I talked to, one of, um, I illustrated, one of the ways they do it is they buddy up with someone from day one of a similar age and a similar background. And that person just has meetings, little chats with that person before they go and said, and sort of does it like they were having a cup of coffee and explains how they work. Now, although I don't do work anymore for the very large glass building with the commissionaires, I would have suspected that if we recommended to them that they do it, it would be very structured and very formal and we do it like this and we work from this time to this time and they wouldn't have had so much of a buddy system. But what you do needs to reflect who you are as an organisation and who you are actually as a company, because those are the things, that's the information people are missing today if they join on a hybrid basis. Does that answer your question, Jeff? Yeah, that's really helpful, Ginny. Thank you. Yeah, no, go on. We've got another question from Frankie and Ginny. So it says, remote working has caused people to behave in a way that they would not normally, such as panic attacks. How would you suggest they ha that, that be handled? Oh, Frankie, this is a very deep question. Um, so one of the major impacts for people of working remotely and especially if they've never worked remotely before or it's new, to, completely new to them, is that you have two selves. You have a work self and you have a home self. Your work self, and sometimes you can even, if you watch people arrive at offices and open a door and walk in, you can almost see them change as they walk across a reception. You know, they might be very cool and trendy outside the office and then you walk in and they're all very straight, very formal. Then our work self 
sorry, that's your work self, which you perform and act and behave in a certain way. You also then depend on the structures around you in an office which drive behaviour. So, for example, if you've never worked away from an office, in your head will be subconsciously will be a programme is that work belongs in an office. And I look at other people and they're working and I work. If you then take that particular person and put them strictly from working from home, all of the structures they expect to see and how they expect to work have gone, literally overnight disappeared. So you started to see a lot of really fascinating behaviours like people didn't know how to start work. They, they couldn't keep themselves focused because and this is because what they've lost is the physical interaction structure their work self has. The other thing about a work self and a home self is some people can fundamentally change and women have found this incredibly challenging as well because they might be one way at work and then at home they might have to be five or six different other people. So, you know, you can come home and at home you're a mum first, not a leader. You're, a, uh, you're responsible for a load of other things than you would be normally. And in your brain, because you're actually physically at home, will start to reorder what it thinks is a priority because you're at work. So it's fundamentally different between the work self and the home self. And what that causes, and this is why people get can have panic attacks, is what's called cognitive dissonance. What actually happens is what you think you should do and what you feel like you should do, do this like that. And they literally bash up against each other and can. And then your brain goes, something's really wrong. Um, and this can fire off immediately um, uh, flight or fight because it's so different than what you're usually expecting it can cause you panic attacks. That's quite a deep conversation for this slide <laughs> on a Monday morning, but I, I hope that start, allows you to see again. It's about who we are. It's about being human. Frankie, did that ask you answer your question? Um, if she doesn't come back, I'm going to assume it did. Um, so Max has actually come on and said, I really like the five tips about celebrating success of all sizes and demonstrating um, the value of the bring. Is whether you think it's important for an organisation to link success celebrated to codified values that the organisation may have in place. So as to create a cohesive idea of organisation value. This is a really interesting one because to be fair, Max, it depends on how evolved your organisational culture or team culture actually is. And that an organisation culture has a fundamental, um, sorry, I'm doing it like this because it, 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 it's an organisation culture grows and changes as its industry culture and its wider um, society culture change. As such, because of that, it, your culture will be in different stages of development. What I have seen work incredibly well, though, is a ground up process of you and your team celebrating what it is and pushing that out. And interestingly, what you will find if is someone in your team knows their value and they are really comfortable with that, when they then go and talk to someone else in the organisation who they're perhaps a customer of, you know, I might talk to finance and finance give me data. They give me a certain set of data which allows me to create another report which has different set of values for other people. Now I know my value when I go and talk to finance 
and let's say they're a bit late or it's not on time. What you what you find now is people talk about why they need that in a different way. So instead of going finance, I need my report now or shouting, they'll go. And they talk about value, they go. I really need this. This is what this does for me. And this is what it does for other people. And it happens automatically. OK, you don't actually ever have to tell people to talk in that way because having a value and actually you can't see, but I'm pointing at my stomach. It's emotional. You say having a value and knowing what that value is, is probably one of the oldest human programs that we have because we survived better when we worked together to work together we needed to know what each other's value is. So you find them doing it automatically, Max, and they they it starts to then disseminate out through an organisation. Does that answer your question? Very much so, that's really interesting, thanks. Yeah, no problem. And Duncan, James, uh, we have a Friday 9am weekly shout out, it's very popular. Duncan, is, is this where anyone's allowed to say who helped them and why it helped them? Or is it, can you tell yeah, me more about it's, it? It's completely open, yeah. Um, it, I, I work for uh, a company that has lots of different offices, so it's actually good to keep it in a fairly small group rather than a big company-wide one. Although now and again, there's a big company-wide ones, but they're more for sort of town halls and that type of thing. Um, but yeah, it can be even the smallest thing, even if it's not been that successful and someone's just persisted at something. Then yeah, I, I definitely uh, <laughs> relate to point number five you made there. That's lovely. And interestingly, when you said about persisted, so one of the things that makes us work harder at stuff and um, keep going is the fact that other people we can see are keeping going. So one of the things about resilience and creating resilience within people, but also in all teams and organisations is you need to share how hard you're working together, right? Because you can't see it anymore. You know, you can't see that someone's still there or someone's um, uh, working their house. So I really like that. And it's about celebrating the value and the behaviour, right? So there's a little thing if I'd like you to remember in your head, apart from the five tips we've done, which, which is emotion, you feel things. You can't not, everyone feels something. So an emotion, drives thoughts. Thoughts drive how we behave. Those three things are one of the fundamental things it is to be human. Um, and we're coming up to 12 o'clock now and Natasha's put a final um, poll up. So what I would love, if you just remember one thing from today, is being human matters and understanding the environments we are in and how they make us behave is fundamental for you driving team cohesion, especially in a hybrid working environment where we literally can't see anyone anymore. Thank you very much. Thank you, Janine. That's very, very interesting. I hope everyone found that as interesting as I did. If you do have any questions that, that you didn't have time to answer, then please feel free to drop me a message through email and I can ask Janine to, to respond to you. But thank you ever so much, everybody. And I hope you all have a great weekend. Sorry, a great week. <laughs> Not a weekend. Yeah, I think I it's Friday already. Yeah. Have thank a great you week. Much. Thanks, thank all. You guys. Bye bye.